understanding my own trauma and how that's impacted me and my life unconsciously and bringing it into the conscious and dealing with it, I wanted to bring what I'd learnt out into the world. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Wendy Keir. This is Wendy's second appearance on the show. She was one of our first guests on show number 16. Joe and Wendy have been online friends for a long time now and continue to keep in touch and meet regularly to keep each other accountable. Author of the book, Hashtag Be More Wolf, a survivor's story breaking the trauma cycle throughout her adult life, Wendy has sought to deal with the traumatic events she experienced while institutionalised in the UK care system and as a young adult. Wendy believes that when healing from emotional and traumatic scars, there has to be an inside-out job. This is why she developed the Trauma Recovery Method, TRM, so that others can experience for themselves a successful ongoing recovery, one that breaks the trauma cycle. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Wendy Keir of the Trauma Recovery Method. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. And this is your second time on the show. We were just looking back and reminiscing that it was five years ago when you came on show 16. Can you believe God, it? I can't believe it. That's five years. That's incredible. Number <laughs> five. So. And we've we've known each other for for sort of longer than that, but um, we had a bit of a funny story, didn't we? That uh, you came to stay, and I can't remember even when that was. That's probably about three years ago, I would think. And um, you came for a weekend, and one of our neighbours had um, their twins had a birthday party, and um, you were going to be here, and they had invited us. So I said, "Oh, is it okay if I bring my friend?" And they said, yeah, no problem. And then, do you remember, we turned up and um, everyone was saying, oh, how do you know each other? And we were saying, oh, we've known each other online for, you know, a good few years now. But we only met last night for the first time (laughs) when when Wendy appeared at the house. And they were like, what? (laughs) It seemed quite normal to us because we've both been online with our businesses for quite a long time. And we've got lots of online friends who we've never met and probably never will meet. But for real people in the real world, it was a really odd discussion to have wasn't it I'm sure yeah it definitely was then I'm not sure about now because so many people are, are using yeah. online although exhausted by it I think probably as well yes yeah exactly so tell us Wendy who you are what you do and crucially where you do it yeah okay so at the moment I am in a bit of a transition I used to before this transition be a um, business coach for women who wanted to help 
clients in a one-to-one setting. So that would be around some form of counselling, some form of therapy. When this craziness kicked off, I moved away from being a business mentor, business coach, and stepped into wanting to really help and to connect with women who were experiencing trauma because my background, my upbringing is has all been around trauma. I've lived my life through trauma. So I just reached that point where I, I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So here I am writing a book around trauma recovery. So that's what I'm currently focused in on is bringing that book together. Lovely. Which is a challenge in its own right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we'll talk about. But um, there's been other big changes since we last spoke as well. You're no longer in the UK, are you? No, I'm hiding in Thailand, <laughs> hiding on a little tropical island down the end of the island, as far away from people as possible. <laughs> so I've become a bit of a recluse, probably. Um, I only leave the island a couple of times a year. <laughs> you know, we always wanted to travel. We always, we always said to ourselves that we didn't want to stay in the UK. So when the business was the business coaching was going well. I we just decided let's you know let's make it happen. Let's be location let's independent. Get rid of everything. <laughs> let's be location that trendy term location independent. I don't like digital nomad, but location independent I quite like. Yeah. So we packed up little rucksacks, got rid of everything, and I think I've been away for about three and a half years now. Wow. So it must have been even longer. It must have been four years when we met then. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's it, it's really um, just so lovely to sort of still be in touch. And, you know, we, we have regular calls. We sort of keep each other accountable and stuff, don't we? And uh, so I've sort of followed along with, with your sort of transitioning over the last few months. Tell us. Tell us a bit more about where this has all come from and, and why 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 this now and and why it's important to you. It's oh this is a, I had this thought going on in my head when um, the pandemic started back in 2020, I think it was. I can't even remember it was such a long time ago now. Um, and this is gonna sound terrible, so please don't take it the wrong way but this is what I was thinking at the time and it it might be a bit shocking to some people but in my head I'm even apologizing still apologizing to myself for thinking this but in my head I was thinking because I'd experienced so much trauma as a as a child and had a really hard time as a child and growing up as a teenager and always constantly living with trauma when the pandemic hit there was part of me that was saying ha now you know what it's like world which is really quite cruel in some respects but by me saying that something happened in terms of me thinking well if that's the case and I have this level of resilience and I've been through some horrific things I've always been able to bounce back I'm always motivated in moving forward maybe what I can do is Maybe it's my time now to look at how I can help other people to recover from trauma. So even though that was a terrible thing to say and a terrible thing to think, and I still do think it's a terrible thing to think because it's cruel, 
it also switched on a light in me that said, hang on a minute, you can really help people because you've been through so much shit. You've, you've devised these methods. You've been able to support yourself. It's now time to step forward and bring that into the world to help other people. Mm. So that's how it sort of, um, mm. that's sort of how it was, how it was born. Yeah. In terms of my background, you know, I was um, abandoned by my parents at around two, went into residential care, abused in residential care. I was addicted to drugs from the age of about two and a half, Valium. And then all of these just chain after event, after event, after trauma, after trauma, after trauma, just layer on layer and layer on layer and layer. Which underpins, I guess, where I am now. So understanding my own trauma and how that's impacted me and my life unconsciously, and bringing it into the conscious and dealing with it, I wanted to bring what I'd learned out into the world. Because it's also part of, you know, I'm going to be honest here, recovering from trauma is not a, you know, you click your finger and it's done. It's something that it's, it's part of your personality. It's part of your identity. You learn to develop a different relationship with it so you can move forward and heal but for me, it's not a, oh, I've dealt with that now, it's finished, it's over. I can still be emotionally triggered by things, but I have a different way of dealing with it now. I can actually deal with it and move forward much quicker rather than having things happen to me unconsciously and not going anywhere, mm. which is what people generally tend to do, is do things unconsciously and just get stuck. So that was the short version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I seem to recall from when we interviewed before on here, um, but also in you know other conversations we had, you've always been fairly open about having a traumatic upbringing, um, but you've not sort of it's not been the, the main topic of conversation, sort of thing, and it, it wasn't what you were doing in terms of your business and so on. And obviously now you're really sort of bringing that out in, in what you're doing and, and obviously as we've mentioned writing a book how has that been you know to to be sort of reliving effectively in your mind a lot of the things that happened that that are part of your story good question it can be at times um very tiring so my, I have learned to be in survival mode for such a long period of time, which means that I can only see what's in front of me. I can't see what's right or left. So I'm only ever... So what that's done is over time is it's my default mechanism of stress and anxiety and is that I've closed down I start to fall asleep I start to withdraw and I have found when writing the book um, that I have found myself getting very tired having to sleep lots starting to withdraw 
um, which has been a fascinating, a really fascinating insight. Because when you come to writing a book, even though it is a very, when you're writing around trauma, it's very emotional, is that you get to see your experience from a different perspective. You get to see it just from a different angle, which you wouldn't have seen before. So even though it has been emotionally heavy to write, for sure, I've also been able to look at my experiences and think, oh, my God, that's, you know, that is really horrendous. And it's, it's like I parent myself through self-coaching to be able to move past it, but also to be able to recognize it and be able to release it. So I get to see it from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I can see how emotionally that that sort of must be very difficult. And as you say, interesting that it then drives physical sort of responses to that as well. I mean, I suppose it shouldn't be surprising. That's that's you know increasingly what we hear about how interconnected our thoughts and our our physical response to those thoughts are. So, tell us about the trauma recovery method that you've developed as part of of this transition. Yeah. So as I've been dealing with my own trauma over the years and learning to manage it, combined with all the courses I've extensively done and the work that I've done with um, working with young people in the care system at risk, over the time I have been doing exercises, finding way to work around and navigate. And I realised that if I brought it all together into a concise program that I can take people through, that they can also learn the skills of recovery and resilience building for themselves through self-coaching. Yeah. So I've just brought everything together, put it into a program. Um, I've taken a number of people, quite a few people through the program. They've got great results. I get great results. So I've put it into a all everything that I've learned, but the most important bits that I've learned into a process that is it's built, it's built on layers. So it has a very specific way of working. So you have to start at the beginning and you have to go all the way through it. You can't jump around and go from one thing to the other. Because if if you do that, you don't emotionally ground yourself and you don't get to know yourself well enough to be able to deal with becoming emotionally triggered later on. Mm -hmm. Emotionally triggered. (laughs) And and you mentioned self-coaching. What do yeah. you mean by that? How, what, how does that work? So how that works is that, you know, we have the capability within ourselves to absolutely have a conversation with ourselves, an empowering conversation with ourselves and coach ourselves through a situation. If we, you know, you don't always have access to people, you don't have access to a therapist, you don't have access to a coach. So it's learning the skills to have a conversation with yourself around a particular struggle or subject that you are experiencing going through. So I will check in with myself and I do it from two different perspectives. 
I do it from what I call my higher self. So that's the very best version of me, who it is I ultimately, you know, dream reality. This is who I really, really want to be. So I use the strengths of that character to coach who I am in this moment, who might be um, struggling with something, something's um, upset me, or I'm not sure about something. I'm not sure in what direction to go in. I will so self-coach myself using to the pers- the personality of who I am now, and but also the person who doesn't have any baggage, doesn't have any um, drama playing out there, there with my best intentions. Mm-hmm. So I'll just start off with um, how you're doing, what's going on. I, I can see that this is happening. Tell me a little bit about it. And then I'll tell her about it. And then I come back in again. And then I ask the next question. And then this goes on and on and on until you've exhausted the conversation like you would with a, another person. Yeah. But the, thing I like, the thing I like about self-coaching is, is that I know when I'm trying to wriggle out something. So my higher self will go, hang on a second, <laughs> <laughs> and pull me up. Whereas, you know, you don't always get that dynamic in another relationship because they don't know you either well enough or have enough time with you or you don't know how slippery you can be when it comes to dealing with emotions. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you've just reminded me that um, one of the things you do that um, um, many people on the podcast have mentioned um, is journaling. Yeah. Yes. Is that how you're doing this or, or, or can you do it in other ways? Um, so journaling, definitely, journaling plays a key role in this methodology. So there's two, two points. One is that well, the way I like to work is to bring the unconscious into the conscious um, because trauma is just so interlocked in the unconscious, it, you have to bring it forward. So there's two things I do. One is that we track daily what keeps us in flow, what takes us out of flow, you know, what we need to do to put our best foot forward and uh, acknowledge what it is that we've been doing during the day. So we do that as a weekly exercise. We pull out the one that is taking us out of flow the most and showing up the most. And we deal with that one first. And then I take people through a self-coaching process so they can um, connect the dots and understand why they are behaving that way and why they're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So that's the self-coaching piece. Mm-hmm. So self-coaching is really important because that's the that's the honest conversation you have with yourself to be able to connect the dots to understand why you're behaving the way it is that you're behaving yeah um and what is that sort of behavior how does trauma from the past sort of manifest in day-to-day life for, for people yeah um there's lots of different ways for lots of different people but i think that probably one of the most common things is people avoid the situations avoid things without even without even realizing it. A big one for me was that I never, even though I was visible in the business, I was still hiding behind content. I was still hiding behind um, people. And the behavior that was driving that was that I was abused as a group in a children's home. So I associated 
being in a group as opening myself up to be abused Mm. so which obviously isn't the case it's a complete illusion Mm. so my behavior was being dictated by a traumatic event that happened in the past that has no relevance in the future but my ego you know that the relationship the software the hardware that stores all our memories was trying its hardest to say no, don't go and speak at that event. No, don't go and collaborate with that person. No, you know, my visibility would only stretch so far. Mm-hmm. So it will it will send you in directions that you have no awareness about to avoid a situation that they believe is going to be dangerous in one emotionally or physically. It. The brain's very clever. It'll try its hardest to keep you safe. And actually, all it's doing is it's just locking you in the past from a a past experience that is an illusion that is impacting on your your future. Yes. So I think avoidance, I think avoidance is a big one. Avoidance of doing everyday things that other people find easy. Yeah, and and a big part of that has got to be the the sort of um, either conscious or unconscious effect of it. So some people yeah. may know that's why they're doing it. Many people, as you as you identified in yourself initially, don't know that that's why that's happening. And I guess that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it it is the challenge. I mean, I got triggered by something the other day. And I knew it was happening. I knew I was triggered, but it took me the whole day to actually come out of those emotions because it was, I was having a battle in my brain about what I was thinking wasn't real, but it has it had a profound on my profound effect on my mood, my energy, how I was seeing things, how I was feeling, mm. and I knew it was happening, but I couldn't at that. In, in that moment, it was so intense. I couldn't step outside of it until later on in the evening. And then I was like, oh, my God, that's what happened. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to talking about your book. You, you're you in the middle of writing it. Um, and we've sort of touched on already how the sort of emotions are impacted and your, and your physical sort of um, effects of tiredness and so on. Um, yeah. But tell us, tell us about the process in terms of getting on and doing it, because you know many people want to write books, most people don't. Um, you know those those who do, some people will tell you, "Oh, it was a breeze. You know, I loved it. It's it's great, great." Most people will tell you it was hard work and difficult <laughs> to motivate themselves at times, and so on. Tell us about your experience of it. Yeah. So for me, what's in what is interesting is because I'm so hardwired for survival mode which means that I can only do things that are in front of me I mean I've even taken jobs that have been really high risk because I'm so hardwired hardwired for survival you know only deal with what's in front of me Um, what I discovered was that if I didn't have a deadline to work to it just got put off I lost my motivation I lost um I didn't lose interest in I didn't lose interest in doing doing it I knew it needed to be done but because I didn't have set myself deadlines to work towards 
I couldn't, it was just impossible. It just seemed impossible for me to do. It was like I was a completely different person. It's a bit strange, actually, when I think about it. Um, so the deadlines, I've had to set myself deadlines to get things done by. So I'm backing that <laughs> survival mode again of, right, got a deadline, need to aim towards that. I can get, I can get that done. That gives, that gives me a focus. If I don't have a deadline, it's not happening. How do you make it uh, a, a proper deadline when it's a self-imposed deadline? Um, so I have just said I'm going to write a chapter a week and then I send that chapter to people who are giving me some feedback. So I tell them also that, you know, I'm going to be sending you a chapter a week. So that's how I've been holding myself accountable is that I've actually made other people make me accountable. And is it well. working? <laughs> yeah, it is working. Good. It is working. It's working much better when I wasn't doing it that way. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely. So by the time this is uh, published, um, the book will be finished, won't it? It will. <laughs> See, it will. this is the biggest self-imposed or externally <laughs> accountable for deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about how you go about organizing yourself and getting things done i mean you're, you're swanning around on a beautiful island in in you know lovely heat and i think i heard birds tweeting earlier i mean the, you know this yeah. is this is a lovely holiday sort of style place. How do you get any work done? <laughs> I am, I am, once I've got that deadline that I'm working towards and I have the luxury, you know, when you're self-employed, I'm not doing anything else. I'm just writing the book. I stopped everything because I just found it too much. I couldn't split myself between trying to get, in, you know, thought I'm just going to sit down and write the book so if I go out during day which I quite often do I will then do a couple of hours in the evening so I always work pretty much every day even Saturday and Sunday um, but my time is very flexible because I've got my deadline I know what it is that I'm focusing in on so I can play with time a bit more if I was you know, working with clients and doing the marketing and doing all the things you need to do to run a business. Yeah, yeah. And what about um, technology, tools and apps and that sort of thing? What sort of things do you use? I am using the just Google Document. That's mm -hmm. all I'm using is just Google, Google Document, because I can share that. People can um, put their edits in, what they think. Yeah, I can share. I can share that. That's quite handy. And it saves automatically. Always a good thing. Yeah, oh, that is always a good thing. The only problem is when the internet's down, you can't access it. So that's not so good. Ah, yes. Well, yeah. there's got to be some downside of being in uh, in a yeah. place. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I mean, Thailand has always been a place for healing for me. So writing the book and being here is just perfect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky. Uh, so that's a great segue on to how you keep yourself healthy. 
tell us more about that. I remember when you first went there, there were so many posts on Facebook uh, showing us you at the spa or going for a walk on the beach <laughs> and uh, generally looking after yourself. Funny thing is, I've just come back from the spa. Oh, funny that. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I had a Thai massage. I had a Thai massage and something else they did, which I, I'm not quite sure what it is they did, but it was lovely. Um, <laughs> it was meant to be a facial, but it wasn't. It was all over my body, which I, was a bit bizarre. But it was, yeah, it was lovely. So I, um, I do the spa a lot. I actually find doing the spa and writing a brilliant combination. It's a really fantastic combination because I'm calm. You know, I'm chilled out. I've also stopped eating meat, which is really hard. So I'm, um, I just eat, not raw, but, you know, cook. I actually find it really hard. I'm going to say I just eat cooked vegetables, but I must do more than that. <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah, I'm like the world's worst cook. And the other thing I'm going to be doing starting tomorrow is um, walking up a hill. That sounds yeah. like a Kate Bush song. Oh, no, that was yeah. running, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm much more conscious since writing the book about looking after my health because yeah. it's been so emotionally heavy. Yeah. So I'm actually consciously thinking, actually, I need to eat decently. I need to go to the spa and I need to start actually exercising because yeah. the thing with trauma is it gets trapped in the body. It gets trapped emotionally, energetically in the body and you need to move you need to move with it move around try and get out of your head into your body mm. which is very unusual for me mm. yeah what about learning and improving yourself you you've changed your life and you've changed your business over you know the last however many years um and i always see you sort of constantly looking at new things and new ways of doing things how, how do you how do you do that I have tried to stop it actually while writing the book because I don't want to be influenced by it's very easy to get influenced by other stuff because you know you look for stuff that reinforces what you believe so I'm trying at the moment not to do that because I don't want it to influence what it is that I'm doing when I'm writing the book. So I've sort of cut, I've really cut down. I watched a film on trauma the other day, which was absolutely fantastic and just reinforced everything that I think. So that's good. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, st I'm, tr I'm trying to stop. Yes. <laughs> I think you're the first person who said that in answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is interesting, isn't it? That um, those of us who are sort of keen on on um learning new things and and doing new things um often that stuff can be distracting can't it we we procrastinate yeah. by learning new things rather than actually yeah. implementing what we ought to be implementing from last the last thing we learned yeah absolutely it's yeah for sure i mean i still do procrastinate for sure I absolutely do. We have a thing called Lazada here, Lazada Online Shopping. I'm constantly procrastinating on that for hours. <laughs> but it doesn't influence what I'm writing. Um, no. But yeah. <laughs> I'm avoiding it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about sort of routines, rituals, habits, all that sort of thing? You've sort of touched on some of that already. What, what 
do you try and do on a regular basis? So, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on then. <laughs> Impress me. So, I do three things. I do, um, and I do this because of writing the book and trying to ground myself more into my body. But the first thing I do is like five minutes neck exercises. Uh -huh. so that's the first. And I do it in this order. Um, I then do a <laughs> a cold face, no, an ice face bath. That's it. That's the right way around. Yeah. So I put my put some ice in a bowl and then shove my face in it for twenty seconds. Um, I then do my feet and then I do my hands, which is actually really hard to do. My hands, my hands can't tolerate it, but my feet can and my face can. But I try my hands. Um, and then I do a sort of like pat me down body, just give myself a good beating up with my fists from head to toe. Yeah. So that's what I do as a routine, and I find that really helpful. That sounds I'm like what they do at the spa. Can't you just then get them to do it? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I really, really love is um, uh, deep breathing. Mm -hmm. is quick deep breathing and then holding your breath for a couple of minutes and then deep breathing again that is fantastic i like that as well so those are four things that i do consistently throughout the week okay i had a cold shower the other day that was my one attempt <laughs> oh, do you um do you follow wim hof well that, that was where it came from via yeah. one of my colleagues engaged for success and i uh, i thought I went to get in the shower. I can't remember. I don't even know the rules, whether you're supposed to do it at the beginning of the shower or the end of the shower, but for some reason... The whole I thought, shower? Oh, what are you on about? The whole shower? <laughs> yeah, no, you can't do a cold, just a cold shower. What would be the, the joy in that? I, I, I tell you what, I'm actually quite traumatised at the moment because it's been quite hot for the last week or so here oh. we're recording this in june and yeah. one of the things i love is hot baths like really hot baths and i yeah. can't have them when it's so hot because then obviously i'm like even hotter Hello, than i would have been before and i'm missing them because that's one of my little routines oh. <laughs> yeah. can't you have a lukewarm one or just is that no it won't be the same no it's got to be so hot you can hardly get in it <laughs> wow wow you could just try an ice bath his thing is ice baths <laughs> Ice baths, the breathing. The breathing is, is really good. Well, I really sing good. for that, don't I? So uh, I do, yeah. I do that. Yeah, but, um, that would do it. Yeah, that no, I'm not, I'm not swapping a nice bath for a, a hot bath. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same effect. Although, albeit probably much better for me, but there we go. So last couple of questions. Tell me about what you do on those days where it all goes horribly wrong. I think you've sort of touched on that before when you were talking about uh, something that triggered you. But, you know, when, when the day doesn't work as you planned, what do you do? I journal. Mm -hmm. I journal and I self-coach myself. I have a conversation with myself. I'm a very emotional person, I've discovered. Is I'm very, very sensitive, really emotional. Yes, me. Recently? <laughs> no, but is that recently? Did, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. I think because I've sort of really started to um, discover, and I don't think I'm at the end of the journey yet, it's really, is separating myself from the trauma. Yeah. Has created a, has, has meant that I've actually been able to feel and because that is a new experience for me, you know, learning love and compassion is very new to me. It's only something I've learned in the last six months. 
So I don't know how you put with me before then. But um, (laughs) yeah, I journal, I journal around that and I use it as as therapy. Yes. When things go wrong. And I also check out with other people as well. Yeah. So when people talk about your long suffering partner, (laughs) he's done well to hang on in there all these years. (laughs) Oh, he has. Oh my God. I put him through hell. Anyone who has been through trauma will always, I think, always put their partners through hell. I don't, because the brain's just trying to protect yourself, protect yeah. you all the time. You're yeah. not even going to know why you're doing it. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I was being flippant, but. Um, no, it's true. You know, it's true. It's very true. It's something been I have been a long while. He's, he's clearly, you know, really been there for you. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if he's. Um, as impressed with your enlightenment recently as you are? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no. I said to him the other day, you're going to read the book. No. <laughs> oh, Probably yeah. a good thing that he doesn't actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Um. So the last question, what about those days where you get to live more and that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do? What do those days look like? For you, spa. I was about to say a, spa. As well as a spa. <laughs> spa, and the other thing is cake. <laughs> Two things for me: spa and cake. Nice chocolate cake. No meat and cake, cake, then, obviously. <laughs> no, I, I, it's it's really funny. Think people think I'm nuts when I say that, but to me, a cake is like a real slice. If you get a decent bit of cake, it's like a real um, slice of luxury. Mm. Is that related to your past, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's that that sounds like a certain sort of story or, or lack yeah. of experience that became an experience that, that then sort of anchored that for you. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bar sure. and cake, but not necessarily together. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, actually, that like everywhere. Good, this is like a good combination to me, cake and spa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So, Wendy, as expected, it's been great fun interviewing you today, which is not something I thought I'd be saying at the end of a conversation about trauma. But, um, you know, thank <laughs> you so much for being, you know, honest and um, and really open on here. Um, and, it, you know, I wouldn't say that bit was fun per se, but, um, you know, the fact that we've known each other a long time and have a, 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 a relationship as um really made this a, a different sort of style of podcast. So uh, hopefully the, the listeners are enjoying that too. Um, tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. Yep, you can find me at the traumarecoverymethod.com. There will be a, what will there be? There will be a tab that you can just click, which will just say contact me and you can leave me a message and then I can reach back out to you. Lovely, lovely. And that, that's on the basis that we're recording this three months ahead of, of your book being completed. It will be complete by then. It yeah, will be exactly. complete by then. I'm looking forward to it. So right. thank you so much, Wendy. Thanks for your time today. I've really appreciated Thanks, talking Joe. to you. Take care. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true or maybe wondering how it fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no-obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? 
All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com slash calm call. All this information is available in the show notes, which you can get to using the app that you're listening to this podcast on, or if you go to the website powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 227. And this week, I just want to briefly talk to you about the concept of using templates for things that you do. We were talking about it at the Power to Live More Gold Call this week and about how the things that you keep doing, that you keep relentlessly doing, you can often make easier through various things like templates, automation, outsourcing, and so on. And that so often as home-based coaches and consultants, we end up doing things, repeating things interminably ourselves and not actually working out a better, quicker, more efficient, more effective, basically more stress-free process. So what emails are you sending where you could use a template? Which emails are you sending on a regular basis where you could create a template and just either copy it in or use something like the tool Text Expander to automatically add that to your email? So for example, I work with Engage for Success, that you may remember, the national movement around employee engagement. And we often get people asking to do guest blogs for our website. And all I do is I hit reply. I say, hi, whatever the name is. And then I put hash hash content reply. And it automatically expands into a standard reply that says, yes, we do accept guest content. Here's our editorial guidelines. Please send everything to content at engageforsuccess.org when you're ready. And so on. You know, job done. And it just makes it so easy to re- reply to those people. If I'm doing a radio show with Engage for Success, I have a standard blurb that I say at the beginning of the live show. And I go into my Evernote account, create a new note, put the title of the radio show in there. And then I type in hash hash radio opening and the whole blurb comes up. And then I can fill in my guest name and the content uh, that we're going to be talking about. And it's pretty much done from there. So what things are you constantly typing, constantly sending that you could turn into templates so that you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel? And as I say, you can use a tool like Text Expander. You can also use uh, in Google, and I can't think what the technical term is, but they have a way of creating uh, templated emails that you can just add in, uh, take from when you're ready to use them. And I'm sure Outlook does the same. I haven't used Outlook for a long time, but I'm sure it did it when I used to use it before, and I'm sure it still does it now. So how can you create templates? And, you know, the, the really sort of not analog version because it's still online, but, you know, you can just create a document that has all those templates in and just copy and paste the relevant content in at each time. So have a think about what things you're constantly writing, which emails you're writing and having to recreate each time and work out how you can create a template to make it quicker for you. As ever, the show notes for this week's show are at powerslivemore.com forward slash 227. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 